you're going to want to set up what we call a three-tier funnel. We definitely didn't invent this, but I think we've perfected it. Whereas you can have everything come into a high priority campaign, and then you can tell Google, hey, these keywords are more important, which will push them to the exact same campaign, but set to medium. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com quiz.com to get your free instant analysis. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 386. Ladies and Jenny Spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast. It's usually the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon uh, private label sellers. But today we're doing something a little bit different because a lot of people get in touch with me to do private labeling. And I'm not always convinced that for all people, it's the right business model. So we have today an expert in drop shipping, specifically high ticket drop shipping. And one of the reasons I'm interested in this, because I've seen firsthand working with one of my coaching clients, um, I mostly specialize in Amazon private label, but he had a high ticket uh, drop shipping Shopify site and did fantastically. So when Ben got in touch, I was like, we've got to have that. So Ben Knegendorf is a person who helps people just like you start an e-commerce business within the next 30 days with high ticket drop shipping. I hope they've got that right. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Just to clarify who this is for, if you're busy running a, an Amazon private label business, I guess this is a different business model, right? Let's start with that first. What is dropshipping? And I guess people might have preconceptions around it, right? So just explain yeah. to me what dropshipping is in your experience of it. Yeah, I think it's gotten a bad rap. There's no shortage of gurus on the internet standing next to their rented Lambo telling you you can make millions of dollars immediately, or they did a million dollars in the last 30 days and it's revenue, of course. And that's not what we teach, right? So that method is using AliExpress, selling who knows what dog eyelashes or anything you can come up with. That's the trendy product, running social media ads, sending them to a product page where they buy and then their product's going to arrive 40 days later in a heavily taped box from China. It's going to be a piece of shit. And that's not what we teach at all. So that when anyone thinks of dropshipping, that's usually what they're thinking of. And so I want to reframe that and talk about the meaning of dropshipping and then teach the business model that that John and I teach over at Dropship Breakthrough. So but the dropshipping itself is simply a method of fulfillment. So even in your private label world, you can think of the 3PL you're using. Hopefully you're selling on Amazon and your own website. Your 3PL is essentially dropshipping for you on your behalf. An order comes into your website. You're not going to your warehouse. It's going to the 3PL and they're dropshipping it for you. We do the same sort of thing. We just are a retailer for other brands and brands you've heard of and brands that are local to you. So I'm American. I'm selling brands that are here in the United States and we sell high tickets specifically simply due to the margins. And I can 
break down why that makes sense if you'd want. Brilliant. So I think you've clarified nicely why we need to separate the way that the word dropshipping has been used in a lot of marketing that we'll see in YouTube or anywhere near you yeah. versus the fact that looking at it from a more business-like perspective, which is why I try and be less hypey here, it's a method of fulfillment. And nicely put, so let's all calm down about the word dropshipping being yeah. a trigger word for the, ah, they're full of scam and all these things. It is, yeah. So brilliant. That's, that's good to differentiate. So the first question, how does this compare to the other options out there? Private labeling, I guess, wholesale sourcing and retail arbitrage are the obvious ones that spring to my mind. So how does it compare to that or indeed any other sort of similar business? Yeah. So I'll start with private labeling, right? That's the easiest one. All of your listeners do that. In fact, I do that. Yeah, I sell pet supplements online, right? And I have a pet supplement brand. I've been through this process. I've, I was also part of an adult coloring book brand called Creatively Calm Studios that you can find on Amazon as well. We sold that. And so I'm quite familiar with both business models. The difference being when you sell a private label product, you're likely going to need to do quite a bit of research, right? And you're going to send samples back and forth and you're going to end up buying a large amount up front. Whereas in high ticket dropshipping, you can literally start a business for less than 500 bucks and some of your sweat equity and cash flow out of the gates. In private label, you might order a thousand units and you sell your first 500 and you got to order again, right? So you're going to use the profit from the first 500 to order again. And that cycle just keeps continuing on and on. And you on paper look like you're very wealthy. Your business is doing great, but you're always cash poor. And so what interested me the most about this business model is again, the cash flow. And so comparing that to other models like retail arbitrage is interesting. I guess if you want to make some quick cash, you can take something listed on walmart.com and go listed on Amazon or on eBay listed for 60% higher. Some schmuck's going to buy it and they're going to be pissed off when it shows up in a Walmart box and you're going to make some arbitrage. Look, it works. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it like, that's not a real business. You're not building an actual business. You're just really scamming a bunch of people and collecting the arbitrage that's left in between. I think the biggest difference here that I wanted to talk about was like the price points, right? So when you're starting private label, often you're probably telling people to start in the $20 to $50 range for a product. And so if I want to make $30,000 in revenue next month, I'm going to need to sell $1,030 products. And in the model that we teach, we want you to focus on high ticket, 800 to 10,000. And so if I sell a $3,000 item to do that same 30,000 revenue, I need to sell 10 orders. And so you can imagine with 1000 orders versus 10 orders, who's going to need more employees, who's going to have more returns and exchanges, who's going to have more chargebacks, who's going to have more overhead, like you're going to need a team there. And you're just going to have a lot of customer service issues based on a thousand orders versus 10, no matter who you're selling to. And based on all of those factors that you can get started on your sweat equity in $500 or less, it cash flows from the beginning. And you don't need that many sales in order to actually make a decent profit. All of those things to me are the reasons that this business model is intriguing. I like it. I can already hear the people shouting angrily at their phone. If that's where you're listening, your view <laughs> on retail arbitrage, which is fine. Like I think there's different ways of looking at it. What I would say is not to be missed that you guys don't do drop shipping per se. You do high ticket drop shipping. And specifically right. when you got in touch, why it was fertile ground, because I worked with a client who was selling items that would typically go anywhere between 200 and 2000 pounds or roughly the same in dollars, I guess, with our exchange right now. And that, as you say, that changes everything as much as the business model, the price point that you're targeting really intrigues me. 
Is that something you did from the beginning or did you find your way to that insight through painful experience? Yeah. So my opinion on retail arbitrage is because I did it. I started off a little more manual, like going to garage sales and scanning things in an app, shockingly, how many new products are at garage sales or going to TJ Maxx or Target or Walmart and walking the clearance aisle, trying to find that or finding a discontinued product that I could buy a bunch of. Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You can make some cash and I would encourage you to go make some cash and then use that to start a real business. I just don't think retail arbitrage is a real business. And the reason I say that is I did it. It sucked and it's not sellable. You can't go sell your retail arbitrage business to another person because there's no asset value there. Whereas building a private label brand or building a high ticket drop shipping business, a retail business, there is asset value there. You can sell this for four to six X multiple a little less on the private label side if you're on the Amazon, a little bit more if you have diversified income streams. And so that's where I started. I was flipping stuff. I was working in a Walmart distribution center. I had made it to first shift, which was the holy grail in that building. And everyone just looked dead inside. And I was 29. I'm like, this is it. I made it. This sucks. That, that led me to trying to figure out what to do, which led me to flipping products like I just said. And then I stumbled onto high ticket dropshipping on a podcast. And I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Again, the things I went through starting for less than 500, which is basically all I had at the time, being able to just put in sweat equity, understanding that I was selling real brands people were already searching for. I didn't have to create demand. It was already there. I just had to step in front of people who were searching for these products and say, Hey, I'm a retailer for that. Just like you go to Lowe's, Home Depot, or Costco, or Sam's Club to buy products, I'm that place online. A a good example is Wayfair. Wayfair used to be hundreds of different high-ticket dropshipping businesses, and then they combined them all into Wayfair. And they still dropship a lot of their products on there today. But you wouldn't be any the wiser, right? You've seen the Wayfair commercials. You go buy from them. And so once that stigma was removed that dropshipping was this bad thing or that I was doing a get rich quick scheme or anything like that. And once I realized I was actually building a real business, that's what turned me on. And I was like, let's have a go at this. You make an extremely interesting point that actually the idea that we are a sort of front for something else that exists already is basically how modern life works. Foxconn manufactures Apple products and they do an excellent job because we all like Apple products, at least most of us do. And so everything's being done by somebody else in the modern world, right? Let's focus on the how we get started piece first. So how sure. do we even get started? Yeah, I think first off, let's walk through what that 500 is so we can demystify that I'm not just some guy spouting some. This is what you need. So you're going to need a domain, right? You're going to want to have your own .com. That's going to be $12. I use Namecheap. Use whatever you want. You're going to need Shopify, which is $29 a month. You may want to get a paid theme. I don't think you actually need one, but you may want to get one quick plug. If you join our course, we give you a theme. We do think it's important, but you don't need one. I started my first business without a paid theme on Shopify. You can do this without having something very nice. If you want to buy one, it's going to be 180 to 400, depending on which theme you buy. Again, we like Superstore. That's probably our favorite one from out of the sandbox. Google Workspace is the next thing you're going to need. You're going to want to have an email that is your name at the domain you just bought. You're not going to want to have Joe Bag of Donuts at Gmail in your footer. That's not going to make you look very professional. You want to have Ben at Ben's domain, benzecommerstore.com. So that's $12 a month. Everyone should have that. You're going to want to have an 800 phone number. Again, you want to be professional. You want to have a professional looking website. Grasshopper handles this is about $40 a month. You can get an 800 number or any other toll-free number. There's all sorts of them in the U.S. nowadays. And you just have that forward to your Mac or to your cell phone where you can take orders over the phone or answer questions, things like that. Again, it's $40 a month. You're probably going to want to have some branding done. 
Obviously, a logo would be great. You're going to want to have some homepage images, whether that's a slider or different other branding on your site. Fiverr is the best place for this. Probably 25, 50 bucks, somewhere in that range. And then your biggest expense is going to be acquisition. And like I said before, we're not doing demand creation. We're not stopping the scroll on Facebook or Instagram saying, hey, is your dog limping by my shit? That's a difficult proposition to make. Whereas people, I'm standing at an Apex standing desk. People are already searching for standing desks. They're already looking for Apex standing desks. They're already looking for Apex 72 inch black standing desk. And if we can simply step in front of them with Google ads, and say, hey, we sell that, right? Now, I'm sure you've seen shopping ads on Google before or text ads. That's how we can get in front of them. So your biggest expense is gonna be there. Google gives a coupon to pretty much everyone. If not, you can Google it and find it, which is spend 150, get 150, or spend 500, get 500. And so within that first 300 or 1,000, if you've done the work right, you're gonna get a sale, probably multiple sales, and then you can take that cash flow and roll it back into more ads and start the snowball going because you're not paying for any orders up front, right? You're as soon as the order comes into you, customer pays me, I pay the brand, ships the product to the person, I essentially get the arbitrage in between, right? Minus my cost of acquisition and my operating costs. And so that's gonna be your biggest expense other than your time, which there's gonna be sweat equity here. You're going to have to go through the process of determining what you wanna sell, who you wanna sell to, what products exist in that space. And we can go through that whole process if you want to of exactly how to get started. So just a quick recap. So you got a domain, Shopify, possibly a paid theme, Google workspace, a phone number, some kind, bit of branding work and ads. And I guess, although that sounds like an ongoing cost, not a startup cost, you make the point that from the cash flow point of view, you get that money back, or at least if it all works, you theoretically do. Yeah. How do we make this actually work in practice then? Because it sounds a little bit too easy, too good to be true to my ears. That doesn't mean that it doesn't work. You're living proof. And I've seen it myself firsthand with the client as well. But how do we differentiate ourselves from the people who give this a go and it doesn't work? What are the main reasons for failure? Let's put it that way first. Yeah, let me address that. You're right. It is simple. This is a very simple business model, but it's not easy, right? Easy and simple are very different things. Private labeling is honestly, it's pretty simple, but there's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of steps involved, but the, like explaining it is pretty simple, right? I found this product, I put my label on it. I sell it into the marketplace, right? And supply and demand dictates whether I have a good product or I have a bad product. And so this is the same way. The business model itself is simple. You are going to choose the market. John and I like to teach choosing a human and not choosing a product. We don't want you to go find what's trendy. We want you to think about the person that you want to serve for the foreseeable future. Like they're going to be the ones who are clicking your ads. They're going to be the ones who are in your chat box and they're going to be the ones who are either very helpful or very complaining on the phone when you have an order come in. And so really, who do you want to serve? I tend to lean towards serving yourself. So Whatever you're into, whether it's sports of some sort or ping pong or underwater basket weaving, there are people out in the world just like you, and they're likely buying high ticket products within that space. And so if you could go serve yourself, you're going to know the language you use. You're going to know the places you hang out. You're going to know the right headlines to write. You're going to know the problems that you need to solve for that person. And so we try to focus on find the person you want to serve first and then focus on the products they're actually going to buy. And honestly, in the beginning, you're going to struggle to think about high ticket products. And that's totally normal. Like it, it's not intuitive to think about the high ticket products that exist around you, but I would encourage you to focus on the person buying from you. And then if you want, do a touch point test. I like to do it in notes app on my phone here. 
walk around and just everything you see that is above $800, start taking a note. You're going to see probably the same 50 products that everyone thinks of in the beginning. Probably happens on the private label side too, I'm going to guess, Michael. People come up with the same exact ideas. And then all of a sudden your reticular activation system opens up and goes, oh, you're looking for this stuff. Here's another one. Here's, I think some of the strangest things I've seen are like commercial trash cans. That would never be in my purview to think about selling commercial trash cans or trash cans that are bear proof, which is a big thing up where I'm from, but that is a perfectly good high ticket industry. And so if you can think out of the box or really think about the person you want to serve and the products they buy, you're going to start opening up ideas on what high ticket products are, right? So now we've solved who we're selling to. We've solved the products that they buy. And then from there, you need to go to Google. So uh, we like to use the infrared sauna example. If you go to Google and search infrared sauna and then click the shopping tab at the top, on the left-hand side, you're going to see all sorts of brands and businesses, right? So you'll find some dropshipping businesses, which make this even easier, but you'll see some brands and just start taking note of all the brands that exist there. And if I'm confusing it all during this process, we have a free training on our website. Definitely check that out. This walks you through this, but you're going to find all the brands and then you're simply going to reach out to those brands and request that you become a retailer for them. Maybe you'll spot Sunray which is a good example. You'll go to Sunray's website. Maybe they have a become a dealer button. Maybe they don't. Either way, I would encourage you to call. You're going to want to build a real relationship with these people because they're getting calls every single day from multiple people who have seen that guy on TikTok or that guy on YouTube telling you to call, right? And so you have to differentiate yourself. And so we actually build our website first. You start setting it up. We'll upload a couple products from Sunray. And when I call them, I'll say, hey, head to mywebsite.com navigate here. And I'd love for you to take a look at how I'm going to represent you online. Like I want to give this a real go. I'm not just going to go sell on Amazon or eBay. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a real business and here's how I can represent you online. And typically that gets you past the gatekeeper and to the person who actually can make decisions here and help you start building a business. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 386 so that sounds a lot like the basics of it some of the basics at least are with it like a sort of wholesale sourcing type business so the art is finding people who will respond to you and then being able to persuade them so i guess it sounds like sales and persuasion and cold outreach skills are are really important and those sound like scary words to a lot of people now me personally i quite like those sort of situations i don't like cold outreach either i'm lying i like an inbound sale i'm not sure i'd like to do cold outreach so i'm lying about that for myself and i certainly know most people are scared of any form of sales conversation including inbound sales so is that a barrier for your clients do you find is that one of the big things or is am i making it worse than it look it was a big deal for me i'll be honest with you about that Certainly we have some students who struggle there, but the reality is these brands are looking for people just like you. They need people to sell their products. There's a reason you can find their products in Walmart, in Home Depot, in Lowe's, in Costco, in Sam's Club, wherever you shop, there's a reason those people exist. And just like they exist in the real world, they need to exist online as well. And so it's not like you're blindsiding these brands and pitching them a new idea, which is again, that wholesale model. I know there's a lot of people who I get calls all the time on my private label brand. Hey, We would also like to ride your listing. They're saying it nicer, obviously, but we'd like to ride your listing and sell for you in case Amazon shuts you down and you don't need that. Again, it's a business model that I don't think is that ethical. Like it exists, it needs to exist in some areas, but it doesn't in others. I would separate what we're doing from that. You're actually 
you're benefiting the brand in a good way rather than siphoning sales from them by also being on their listing on Amazon. Like you're representing them in a different way. You're acquiring your own traffic. You're not on Amazon. You're building your own website. And so again, back to my own experience, I, uh, I was scared. I used to be a telemarketer when I was 18, 19. I was actually the second best telemarketer in company history. I could sell magazines like crazy. And then it came time to building my own business. I was actually really scared to call these suppliers. It brought me back to a moment in my childhood. I can remember being in like second, maybe third grade. And I'm in the laundry room of my house and I'm pacing back and forth thinking about calling Sarah Peavy and asking her to be my girlfriend. She said no, by the way. But I remember walking around and like that same feeling came up. I was so scared to call. Who am I to call these people? Like, I don't deserve them to say yes. I've never run a business before. So I was scared. And there was a guy who was sick in the community I was part of. Very sick, actually. He had four suppliers on board and he offered to sell me his business for $400. It was the 3d printer guy.com. And I thought that was my ticket to not having to call suppliers. So I bought it right the day he emailed them. When I bought it, he emailed the four suppliers and the main one, the biggest brand he had dropped me immediately. And I never got them back again. So I was back at square one. I still had to call suppliers and I'll be honest. It was a sticking point for me. I spent two weeks waiting to make these phone calls. And when I finally did, I literally went 20 for 20 the day I called and that gave me the confidence to keep going, right? There is going to be hurdles in this process, just like in private label. I would imagine doing the outreach, finding a supplier you actually trust, getting samples sent over, believing they're not going to send you something that you didn't get or that you didn't request. Cause again, they want to cut costs as well. There's hurdles everywhere. And so if you can get over these hurdles, calling suppliers being one of them, like you just know that like, the journey never ends. The hurdles never end. There's always going to be new hurdles. That's what entrepreneurship is. It's constant problem solving. Yeah. And thank you for being real about that. That's so funny. That takes me back to my teens when I remember pacing around my parents' bedroom with a phone in my hand and calling some girl who equally didn't say yes. <laughs> yeah. My nice. sympathy. That's so funny. I haven't thought about that for decades, but also, yeah, cold calls to potential girlfriends are scary business and i like the fact that you've identified the problem because i'm always poking around if somebody gives me a business opportunity and it sounds too good to be true i'm like where's the problem not because i'm a pessimist but because i want to know where the the point is where i'm going to have to grow and work and get over something and so that's pretty clear because actually the financial barrier is pretty low but it requires some courage to pick up the phone and a bit of persuasion ability. So that means that not everyone's going to do it, which means actually I'm quite happy about that. So now we've discovered there's a bit of a barrier to entry that actually makes me feel better about it. So what do we do when we first, we we do that first call, if it goes roughly to plan, what are the next kind of steps to actually getting your first dollars online at that point? Yeah. So likely the brand will send you over here's a spreadsheet of our pricing for our dealers. Here's the information you need. Some people are very well equipped for this. Some people are not. And they'll just say, go to our website. Good luck. And you'll have to download the photos, things like that. So the next thing we teach is like, you you have to take that brand and get it onto your site, right? So you're going to have to build a collection in Shopify. You're going to have to upload the products. You're going to have to get your website ready to take sales, which is, it's got quite a few steps in there. But once you have that ready, you we recommend the SimProcess app for this, but you're going to need some sort of app to send the products to Google Merchant Center, which sends the products over to Google AdWords or Google Ads as they call it. And then at that point, you're going to set up your shopping ads. You are not going to do what Google wants you to do, which is run Performance Max or Smart Shopping is what it used to be called. You're going to want to set it up a very specific way so that you can choose the keywords you want to pay the most for. So if you can imagine 
someone searching infrared sauna and someone searching Sunray Baldwin two person infrared sauna cedar are very different searches there, right? And so you're going to want to set up what we call a three tier funnel. We definitely didn't invent this, but I think we've perfected it. Whereas you can have everything come into a high priority campaign and then you can tell Google, hey, these keywords are more important, which will push them to the exact same campaign, but set to medium. And then from there, you can say even these keywords are even more important and push them to low. So you can bid the least up here on infrared sauna. You can bid a little bit more on somebody searching Sunray infrared saunas, and you can bid the most on somebody searching Sunray Baldwin infrared sauna, two person cedar and any long tail where you're like, this is clearly somebody at the bottom of the funnel, if that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And just to be clear, so top of funnels, people looking for what is an infrared sauna so they don't have any buying intent yet they're just research in middle of the funnel is what's the best one or how, something like that i guess at that point you, you might begin to get sales and then bottom of funnel is the people are ready to buy with their wallet out kind of thing isn't it thanks so much for listening to today's show i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i had some preconceptions blown out of the water about what drop shopping was and i hope you have had as well because i'm not necessarily saying you should or shouldn't do drop shipping but you should at least evaluate the possible business models out there accurately and it's good to know that this is another option which if done at the high ticket level that ben is talking about i can't stress enough is we're not talking about the traditional dropshipping a five ten dollar product or something from alibaba or aliexpress i definitely suggest you don't do that but i have firsthand seen high ticket dropshipping really work for a client in the first year of business they did into six figures and profitably so as well and as ben says the low startup capital requirement does de-risk it and in a time of recession or coming recession as it is at the time of recording in autumn or fall 2022 guess what de-risking and lowering capital requirements seems to me a very sensible idea so if you'd like to find out more from ben and his team as you can tell he's been around the block he absolutely knows what he's talking about with this stuff they have a couple of things for you first of all in terms of free resources listen to the podcast dropship podcast the other one is that they do have a course if you want to take a more structured approach to doing this and i would always suggest a structured approach generally speaking in an established market is a good idea so that you can compete with the people out there and also you don't play what perry marshall calls the google stupidity tax plus i think it's just says you reinventing the wheel which is a very expensive thing to do with your time so at least if you're going to go into drop shipping go check out what ben and his team have to offer and then make your own decision go to amazingfba.com forward slash drop ship that is amazingfba.com forward slash drop ship and you can get $300 off as a deal for being an amazing FBA slash 10k collective podcast listener plus you'll get a six-month free trial of their elite membership where they have live calls a private slack group etc like anything else as ben has said and i'm glad he's a realist about this it's going to be work and there are some scary things to get over like doing cold calls or sales calls but guess what that is part of any business model and i really like the fact that this gives us a whole new approach to building a real business and one that is open to people with low capital which is particularly why i wanted ben on to come on the show please don't start a private level business with a few thousand dollars i just don't think it's enough these days but you may well want to consider drop shipping as an alternative if it's high ticket drop shipping and if it's done with somebody who is walking the talk as ben and his team clearly do so hope that's been helpful Stay tuned because if you're a more advanced or established e-commerce seller, we're going to talk about the business model as a whole and some more advanced aspects of it 
in the next show. In the meantime, don't forget, if you like the show, to subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you in the next show. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 386. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.